0: You're listening to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Toks Arutare. This is episode 45. Welcome to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, where we believe in pressing past the pain. Episode 45 is evolving through pain. How are you doing? What have you been up to? watching the Olympics, (laughs) how has your team done so far or how did your team do, I didn't watch it but I enjoyed the buzz surrounding it because there's something about sports and supporting your tribe that brings out a joy in all of us and it doesn't matter whether you're into sports or not, it does something to our morale as a whole and let's face it, we needed the distraction. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining me. And if it's your 10th or 45th time listening, welcome back. And I'm so honoured that you've joined me now. I hope this episode strikes a chord with you. And if it does, and you have been enjoying listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, why don't you share it with your network? I appreciate it every single share and review and text, every single one, because it helps this podcast to get found by those who need it the most. I posed a question on my social media yesterday. Did you learn or did you evolve? (laughs) Because learning a lesson is not the same thing as implementing what you have learned. I want to challenge you to go beyond learning a powerful lesson and actually taking action on what you have learned so you can evolve. Because evolution doesn't come purely through knowledge. Yes, we love to read and we love to learn and we love to know things, but the real change happens when action backs what you now know to be true. Think about the last challenging experience you had. What did you learn? What did you change? This past week has been an interesting one. It's been a good one. Well, it's been up and down. (laughs) Watching changes happen in my business is so overwhelming and heartwarming because any sign of business growth is merely a reflection of my personal growth. And I'm sure you'd agree that we don't always know when we're growing because we focus on the pain Growth follows turmoil. It follows challenges and difficulties. However, if we're focusing so much on the difficulty or the pain that we're going through, we wouldn't notice the growth. So when you see what appears to be sudden growth in a business, it was not sudden (laughs) at all. It was time-honored pain And challenges and learning and difficulty and taking action, and that's what we'll be talking about today. This episode, number 45, it had a few starts, and it's a miracle that it actually got recorded. I get asked a lot about my process for recording this podcast, and here's the truth I don't pre plan. Or pre-record in advance, and I'm not proud to say that, or maybe I should be, I don't know. By nature, I'm spontaneous, which in my mind that translates to being free and not being boxed in by rules and dates and deadlines and requirements. Not necessarily a good thing. However, I write every day, and because I do. I'll probably never run out of topics to discuss, which is why I'm getting away with this whole spontaneous business. Let's see how long that lasts. I can, however, see the benefits that I'd enjoy if I planned ahead like normal people did. So I'm working on that. And if you're a podcaster or a blogger, do you plan ahead? If you do, are you able to stick to what you have planned? Because I'd like to know how you don't get sidetracked if a more interesting topic suddenly shows up. I really would love to know. Typically, I share what I'm learning. Or should I say what I'm relearning? Because I don't always share what I'm learning for the first time. I kind of needed to get grounded and be sure of what I'm about to say. Or I may share what I'm currently being passionate about. And this season, it's been all about entrepreneurship because I recognize and celebrate the current spurt that I'm enjoying. And when I say growth spurt, I don't mean growth as in success, the way most of the world tend to define success. I mean growth as in evolving, becoming comfortable with expressing my creativity, becoming more courageous in my decisions as a business owner, That's what I'm calling growth and also getting angry at the times that I didn't have the courage to do what I really wanted to do because I've had to forgive myself when I elevated other people's opinions over what I knew was my gut feeling. The reason this episode has had several failed starts, I started recording or started planning, should I say, what I was going to talk about. I tend to write a a brief, a detailed brief of what I want to talk about because I know that I'll go off tangent if I don't. And so this episode had a few starts because of the various lessons I'm learning at exactly the same time. For example, my husband was very, very ill only a few weeks ago and it was a close shave. And in that period, I learned several lessons, some of them spiritual, which I will share. But on the other hand, I'm also learning about elevated individual thinking and coming away from that whole group think. Thank you very much. My dear friend Candy (laughs) gave me that word or that phrase, and I'll talk about group think and, and elevator thinking in the future. But today, let's go a little bit deeper into what's been going on in this head of mine and in my life. While my husband was in hospital, I learned that the devil roars like a lion, but he's not actually a lion because Jesus is the Lion of Judah. My mind was under attack as it conjured up fearful images of death and funerals and conversations, literally just anything morbid. was just, I took over my mind. I had almost no control over my imaginations because these attacks came in like a flood. However, God was there with me the whole time, trying to turn my attention from the fear of losing my husband, which he had already taken care of, and instead getting me to focus on what he was teaching me about my mind. I also learned about the necessity of belonging to a community because all I did was send out a few text messages and prayer meetings began to pop up everywhere for us. I called a friend of mine in the States, Grace Joshua. I haven't seen her in over 30 years. And she literally took me under her wing, praying for me and checking on me daily. And that love even extended to her sister and her brother-in-law. And they still check on me daily. And then my dear friends, my everyday friends, I speak to regularly, both here and in the U.S. um, and in Nigeria. And they called and prayed with me every single day. And of course, my family, you know, it's just been an experience. I learned that although I consider myself a (laughs) go-getter, having other people hold me and go get it for me was nurturing. And letting others nurture you is actually a beautiful, needful experience. I think the most powerful lesson is the one I'm going to stick to today. I've shared a few briefs, bits and pieces, but one of them really stood out. And one of them is one that I'm still learning and relearning and just meditating on even as I record this. So the night my husband went into hospital, as I said, my mind became flooded with all sorts of morbid pictures because of what the doctors had told him. And I knew that those images were not from God, yet I didn't have the strength to resist them. So I prayed and prayed and prayed, and read scriptures, and called friends to pray with me. I picked up my my uh, phone to go into my Bible app, I use you version and came across the scripture, which was highlighted to indicate that I had, at some point in my life, I had read and highlighted that scripture. And it said, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, that did not encourage me, because I already knew that. I mean, he was prowling around my family, wasn't he? Then I went looking for a more appropriate verse, you know, one that was heavy enough to deal with this serious situation that we found ourselves in. And every time I clicked to go to a different chapter or a different book in the Bible or a different verse, it would throw me back to that same one about the roaring lion. And I've been using this app for close to 10 years, maybe more, actually over 10 years I've been using this app and I have never come across this glitch before where you just get stuck on one scripture. It's never happened before. So I did a hard reset of the software. However, the following day, I couldn't get that verse out of my mind. It played like a background movie against everything that I did. And eventually I got it. The enemy was prowling around my mind not my family so I understood that the real issue I was facing in that moment was not my husband's health because God had already healed him even though his body needed to catch up the problem I was now dealing with was my inability to create a picture of excellent health in my mind you see the mind is very powerful And it is instrumental in making things happen. You've heard me say countless times that we are made up of spirit, soul and body. Our spirit is the part that's connected to God. And whatever God tells you goes from your spirit into your mind, which is where it is processed. And then your body receives the instruction to take action on it. So whatever information you receive, regardless of whether it's coming from God or it's coming from the enemy, it still has to be processed in the mind, which is where memory and thoughts and emotions, and to a large extent, imagination occurs. The thoughts you think will create a specific emotion. And my thoughts of death and funerals (laughs) created the emotion of fear and Since your emotions drive your actions, even though I would have preferred to praise God in the storm and declare life and healing and smile and be confident because God had healed my husband and I had faith, my actions were one of trembling and praying beggar prayers. You know, those prayers that sound like you're trying to convince God to be good to you. I've spoken about visualization and faith Is which is creating the imagined picture in its physical form. But I struggled in that moment to put that principle into practice. Listen, it's one thing to have the knowledge and even the certainty of one thing. But when you are physically surrounded by evidence of the opposite, it becomes rather difficult to trust what you were so certain of only a few minutes or maybe days or weeks ago. So, fast forward a couple of weeks, my husband was now fully recovered. He was back home. Everything was fine. But guess what? I could not stop that sense of fear and foreboding and anxiety. Initially, I thought that my emotions had simply uh, not caught up with what had happened. You know, there was a misalignment. You know what it's like when you watch a badly recorded or maybe even a bootleg version of a movie. Back in the day when we used to do that, the action goes and then the sound follows. They're just out of sync. It's irritating and it's unsettling. Well, that's what I thought was happening. I thought that I had gone through the experience of fear, but that I didn't go through the emotion of fear and I, I it just was not in alignment you know how when you go through or have a shocking experience you do feel the shock <laughs> but then there are times you have a delayed reaction sometimes i deliberately delay my reaction especially when it's when i'm in a difficult situation or it's something that i i have no knowledge of how to handle like this is not the time to cry we'll cry later let's just stay in the moment and do what needs to happen I don't know if you do that as well, but that's how I cope with difficult situations, because I believe that once my emotions get involved, I no longer have control and anything can happen going forward. So it's some way that of, of, of just kind of preserving my sanity and my ability to function, even if everything around me is not functioning. Please let me know if this is you as well and not just me. I'm not convinced that this is the right way to do things however, it's what I've always done. I remember when I was due to have my first son, I had a smooth pregnancy. Everything was perfect and went into labor. After some 10 hours or so, the doctors were unable to pick up his heartbeat and I ended up having an emergency C-section. Through it all, Through the signing of the consent form, the announcement, the rushing around, the wheeling me into the theatre, calling the anesthesiologist and everything and all of the, the stuff, I was as calm and zen as I could be. I didn't allow my mind to travel into any future possibility. Somehow I was able to stay in the moment. And Jason also stayed in that space with me, although I could see some pain in his face that showed up each time I had a contraction. And it wasn't until after our son arrived safely that I voluntarily experienced the emotions I should have had hours earlier. Picture me working up to a room... <laughs> knocking and then saying okay I'm ready (laughs) let's feel the fear let's experience the panic let's freak out that's kind of how it happened so I believed that I was now doing the same thing this time when Jason was in hospital or rather he was now back home I kind of thought that okay um, I didn't experience what I should have had when he was in hospital and now it's happening and even though the fear of losing my husband was gone I was still walking around highly strong, very anxious, and expectant of bad news. It was a whole week later before I was able to journal about what had happened and sort out my feelings and even pray about how I was feeling. And when I did, I discovered this. Are you ready? Grading. I had graded my experience and I'd given it a low score. As far as I was concerned, my husband's health was at stake and all I needed to concern myself with was that. I had christened his medical situation as painful or difficult or a trial, something worth praying about, something that required support from friends and family, But I didn't recognize that my own experience on the other side of the fence also required naming, support, and prayer. That's it. In a nutshell, I didn't even name what I was going through. Yes, I may have referred to it as traumatic, but only in the light of the more pressing real issue, which was Jason's health. So even though I was going through pain, I denied it. Therefore, I couldn't recover from it because you can't recover from something that's non-existent. You can't heal from a non-existent illness. Courtesy of my friend and caterer, Jumoke, I have been reading a John Maxwell book book called 15 Laws of Growth. And in one chapter, he talks about the law of pain. And I'm going to leave my caterers details at the bottom or rather in the show notes so that you can order some food from her. She, In fact, I have two Jumoke's that are caterers and I'll leave their details there. And here's a quote from the book. How do you usually respond to bad experiences? Do you explode in anger? Do you shrink into yourself emotionally? Do you detach yourself from the experience as much as possible? Do you ignore it? John Macdonald once said, every problem introduces a person to himself. Each time we encounter a painful experience, we get to know ourselves a little better. And so the book carries on, actually. He adds, pain prompts us to face who we are and where we are. What we do with that experience defines who we become. I find that book to be so interesting. It's my very first John Maxwell book that I've successfully read because back in the day, I just couldn't get into him. And I don't know why. I think that part of it was I never quite saw myself as a leader. And so I didn't think that any of, you know, he writes on leadership. I didn't think that his stuff applied to me. But anyway, here's the thing. You cannot evolve through pain if you don't even acknowledge its presence. So having recognized that, okay, I'd gone through agony. i had been through a difficult place. I began to ask how I responded to it and how it changed me. Answer, I detached myself from it. I ignored it. And the big one, I graded it. (laughs) I graded my pain and I gave it a low score. Today, I recognize that God did not only deliver my family, but he walked with me through it all. The journey itself required its own healing and restoration. And when I look back, even though I believed my experience was not worth attending to, God saw it as important enough to hold me and coach me through it. He told me my mind was under siege and showed me the power that I had in me to take authority over everything. And that's a father's love. He surrounded me with the right people to support me. That is a father's love. I learned that God is interested in the minute details of our lives even when we have belittled it. Often we measure trauma against the worst case scenario. As long as that doesn't happen, we tell ourselves there's nothing to moan about. Just last week, someone sent me an SOS text over her health. The next day, it turned out to be absolutely nothing. Yet, I found myself judging her in my mind as being a drama queen And that's because I was measuring her experience against a more serious health situation. I remember many years ago, I ended up in A&E with the worst migraine. I've had migraines for years and that particular one just took me out. I was also pregnant with son number two at the time. And so I'm in the hospital and they're giving me codeine and asking all the questions in the world and doing all kinds of tests. And now they're prepping me to have an MRI scan because they couldn't get why I was having such a painful headache and the codeine wasn't working. By the time the scan was due to begin, I actually began to feel so much better. And so I ended up not needing it. A family member later remarked that it couldn't have been that bad if, you know, codeine killed it because that's a mild analgesic. And she went on to insinuate that I was weak and I couldn't handle tough things. I remember how that made me feel, even though I wasn't articulate enough at that time to sort of delineate my emotions like I'm able to do now. However, the comment left me feeling somewhat lacking. Human beings are complex We are not linear. We cannot take one set of circumstances and apply it to two different people and expect the same outcome, even if the people are similar. One person can have a high threshold for physical pain, but can be low functioning emotionally. Another might be highly organised in their environment, but yet they're unable to establish a clear direction for their own life. A friend shared a testimony on Facebook yesterday or the day before, and he's a psychiatrist. He ran into a gentleman that he knew uh, as a patient, but has made great strides in his career despite his mental health challenges. And it occurred to me as I read his post that we like to put people in a box and we prefer to label and box individuals as The predictability gives us a sense of peace and direction. We don't like to deal with the uncertainty of an unknown outcome. I also think that we prefer to have some sort of yardstick in the background of everything, whether we're comparing ourselves or measuring the value of a situation we really do struggle to just call things what they are without placing it against some kind of standard, whether it's a man-made or an ethereal standard. From how we look, you know, our physical appearance, to what we have achieved in life, to where we stand in our career or our business journeys, there is just this thing of, of, of measuring and naming it in light of something else that we think is either bigger or smaller. And I don't know why we do this. I'm not saying you do. I'm not saying everyone does. But I know that I do it. And a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, it's just kind of standard. And so grading or comparing challenges is a dangerous activity, whether it's yours or someone else's, because we can't measure pain by the amount of force or power that it comes with. Rather, we measure pain by how much of you is left once you've been through the fire. And since we're all different with different gifts and capabilities, and we're at different points in our journeys individually, who can determine how much of you is left at the end? Probably just you. And that's if you know yourself well. Do you need a yardstick? Well, here's one. The person God intended you to become when he created you, no one knows who that person is except you and God. That's your yardstick. And I hear someone say, but I don't know. I don't know myself. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. Well, that's not entirely true because you only need to listen to your life. What are your gifts and proclivities? What do you dream of doing? What do you long for? What do you find yourself drawn to that you can't come away from? That person may be buried under layers and layers of stuff, but the practice of authentic living will remove those layers. You see, God has a picture of your true engraved self on the palm of his hands. And when he looks at you or talks to you or addresses you, He's not referring to the person that you think you are. He's not referring to the broken, messy human (laughs) that you are because we all need help. We're all messed up. God is speaking to the complete version of you. And it doesn't matter that you'd feel incomplete because we know that feelings are not fact. But you have to bring yourself to a place of believing that God doesn't see the brokenness. He sees you. He sees the person he created for a specific purpose here on earth. I like to end by saying that in your name is all of the things that you were created to be. Your name is the vacuum-packed version, the freeze-dried version, if you like, of all of your amazing abilities and the calling, and the destiny, and your purpose, and what you were made for. So when anyone calls your name, regardless of what your name is, and what culture or ethnic group you belong to, when your name is said, they are declaring that you are that person. This was something that God taught me a few years ago, and it stayed with me, that in my name contains everything that I was created to be. And that's the same for you. And I pray that you receive this and truly understand and embrace the complete version of who you are. The next Rockstar Story Workshop will be held on the 18th of September. So save the date if you haven't created your story yet. I'm working on another workshop which is to do with PR on a budget. I haven't uh, published it yet, but it is a great one. If you're running a business or you need to improve on your personal brand, listen, my PR, a lot of my PR... There's a secret to it, guys. That's all I'm going to say right now. If you want to know what those secrets are, you have got to attend the PR class. However, it will be even more useful if you've already written out your rockstar story, because that's all going to fit into it. So register at missstoryteller.eventbrite.com, which is where you'll find past and future workshops and events. I'd love to connect with you, to get to know you, to find out what makes you tick and where you are on your journey today. So hit me up at toksarotere.com where you can join my friends list and read more inspirational material. Much of it is lessons I've learned in life and business. Also, let us connect on social. My handle is my first and last name, Toks and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. You are amazing for listening and sharing. (laughs) Till next time, remember to leave from the inside out. Have a good one.